One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey, what's going on, Dirtbags? Uh, this is Chuck, your host, and thank you for listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. Uh, sorry I missed last week. I had had a great conversation with an actor friend of mine who I've been trying to get on the podcast for months, and we had this amazing conversation, and somehow it didn't get recorded. And I just couldn't get an episode up last week, and I was devastated. It was a really good conversation, but I was just like, you know, you got to think of it like a mandala, and it's just not, it just doesn't exist anymore, and that's off into the ether, and it will never be heard by anyone, but my friend and I became uh, more acquainted with each other, and he's agreed to do the podcast again, so we'll have him on hopefully in the next few weeks. But this week, we got my friend Bryant Eugene Vasquez. He's a fellow Arizonan. I met him, I think, back in 2012. And he's just been making great music, and he's also a painter, just making great art since then. And I've always been very impressed with not only the quality of the work that he puts out, but also the quantity. He's one of the more prolific songwriters I've ever met. He puts out albums the way I write songs. It's it's very impressive. They, I, I, and I, they're always good. I don't... I feel like if I were to write this many songs, I'd be throwing out, I don't know, 90% of them. So I'd, I'm just very impressed with him and his ability to write quality songs and so many of them. Um, he's also, like I said, a really good painter. You should follow him on Instagram. We don't mention it during the interview, but I want to make sure you check him out. It's uh, Brygen Vaz, which is B-R-Y. Uh, wait, let me try that one more time. B-R-Y-G-E-N-E-V-A-Z. So check him out on Instagram. You can also check me out, charles.smellsworth. And uh, yeah, we'll get into the interview shortly. Bryant is just an impressive human being that, uh, um, I don't know, he's he's really just lived the life of an artist and um, dedicated his entire, the entire time I've known him to being an artist. And it's led to some really weird and dark places, but also it's helped him create some really inspiring work. And I, I love his his outlook on everything. And um, he's just a really inspiring dude. And I think we had a, a great conversation where we get into the nitty gritty of what it's like to live in a town where you don't know anyone. And, um, you know, substance abuse might be starting to take over your life. And you know, what it looks like getting older um, and trying to be an artist in a society that isn't crazy about supporting artists. Um, it's a, I don't know, it's a, it's, been, it's a great conversation. I think you all will really enjoy it. And I'm so grateful to 
be friends with someone like Bryant. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and what I'm doing, it'd be much appreciated. And there's ways you can do that where it wouldn't really cost you much of anything. Uh, if you listen to music anywhere online, be sure to check out my music. Uh, songwriting's kind of my main thing, and it's what I love to do most in the world. Um, so, yeah, check me out. My name is Charles Ellsworth, if you didn't know that. And there's a playlist on Spotify uh, that I made, not Spotify made. This is Charles Ellsworth, and it's got every song I've recorded, and also under my A.B. Chetisky name, my instrumental music. You can listen to that playlist and just kind of hear the stuff I've done throughout the years. Um, uh, and it, it kind of helps me. I mean, that's kind of my main gig, and, and money from Spotify is not a whole lot, but every stream really, really helps and counts. Um, another way you can really help is by leaving a review of this podcast in the Apple Podcast app, uh, you know, rate us and review us. Let us know, like, let people know what you think of it, whether you like it, what you'd like to see improve. Um, we really appreciate that, and that would really help. And be sure to just share the show with anyone you think would enjoy it. That makes a big difference. If everybody listening to the show would share it with one or two of their friends, our network would grow very well exponentially, and uh, it would just really be great to see the network grow. I'd love to see where we could go with this podcast and what it would be like as we gain more notoriety and we start getting bigger and different guests. Uh, another way you can support the podcast and probably the best way you can do it is over at Patreon. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's, it's a way that you can support an artist or works of art that you think are, are worth um, financial support or you, or that you want to, dedicate a certain amount of money each month too and whether it's just a few dollars here and there or um something that you won't miss it goes directly to supporting uh, what i create month in and month out and not just the podcast i have a lot of video content planned i've got a new record coming out next march and there's a lot of expenses that go into putting out a record as well as trying to promote and market a record on the internet by creating content and just being my best self um and, you know, we try and do our best to make sure that every penny that we earn over at Patreon is directed towards making sure that I or the other artists or the art that I create can be covered. And any other artist that I, that works with me, um, we, we try and make sure they're compensated and it just gives us a budget to make sure that I can keep creating things. So got a lot planned in the next few months as far as that goes. Keep an eye out, uh, patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. Um, other than that, I want you to just get into the podcast episode. This is my friend, Brant Eugene Vasquez, and a great conversation just about the life of an artist, what it's like to pursue that life, and the ups and downs of um, what he's gone through in order to get to where he's currently at. I hope you guys enjoy the talk, and thanks so much for listening. Safe travels. It's uh, man, it's good good to hear your voice. How you been? Oh, yeah, it's been it's been a while. Uh, yeah. I've been I've been a bit busy. Kind of busy. Uh, unfortunately, not all like um, related to you know music and, and and art and all that shit. But you know, keeping busy, trying to make some money during and all this shit by yourself. Uh, about the same, uh, staying busy, but with all the, you know, not the right things. <laughs> oh, what? Um, 
I mean, it's like staying busy with all the the wrong sides of the music stuff, you know, like the, the internet, yeah, yeah. trying, you know, all of that stuff. Not really. I did get to play a bunch of guitar this last weekend, which I haven't been able to do in a while, so that felt really good. So wait, what what all you got left to do? I mean, so I know you're not releasing the album till next next year. Next year, something like. When did you say next year? Is it next year? Uh, early March. Early March, okay, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, let's see, right now, uh, release, like, planning out releasing singles and, like, what each, uh, like, the marketing push behind each single and what the, I'm trying to put together a music video or two, which is difficult because my director of photography got COVID, so now he's quarantined. And, uh, you know, it's just like... You know, just any number of things, and it's not all trying to do album stuff. You know, like that out that project's pretty much wrapped up as far as my involvement. Now it's just like kind of getting the right pieces to other people, hopefully to help it like get out there. But yeah, yeah that's all. That's all just a crapshoot. Yeah, I feel that. And I've been wanting to get a video of some sort. Um, for a while, I mean, I, I missed the boat on so many video opportunities, man. And with all the, all the past albums I've done, I just, for a while, I had, I had people, you know, I had, I had some uh, connections, you know, I had some like multimedia type people. Um, and, you know, just eventually, you know, you just kind of fall through, right? Like the, the, uh, my guy that I had in, in Philly, he just got caught up in all his other his other work. And then, you know, once word got out that, uh, you know, he was helping me out with music videos, I mean, everyone started hitting him up. Like, just most like, just cranking yeah. his videos, which is rad. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, well, he didn't at that point charge people. He didn't charge me. Um, but, you know, I just, I've done music videos for myself. In, in the past, like one or two, they're not great. <laughs> I never had. Yeah, it's, <laughs> never it's had really any. weird. You know, it's it's more so just uh, I just uh, don't have the the equipment to do it justice like that. My laptop then in, in Philly, um, even then it was it was outdated, like how outdated. I bought a refurbished one. It came with iHome, which is what I use. You know, I didn't have the the laptop was too old. I couldn't upload like you know, uh, what's the fucking uh, the Mac? Uh, I forgot the name of the program. The the like Final the, Cut. Final Cut, yes, yeah, that's Final Cut. Um, you know, usually I would I would fuck around with stuff like that and you know figure it out for myself, but uh, you know, I just I didn't have the equipment to use, so I just made it was what I had, you know, iHome, and then my, my fucking laptop crashed again in 2017, right before I put out um, uh, and the, the Red EP, mm-hmm. and I panicked when that happened, and uh, I don't know, man, I was on some shit, and I fucking, instead of, like, taking it easy, and so, like, right, I'll take it to a place, and they can do this, and I just fucking I bugged out and I uh, did a hard reset on everything and and I, I didn't like a fucking idiot I didn't even think about 
all the stuff I hadn't saved or, you know, I thought I'd saved. Mm-hmm. losing, you know, the master tracks and record, like, stems and recording everything for, like, so much stuff. Oh, man. A lot of video, a lot of footage, like, really cool shit I was planning on using, you know, from, like, my first year, two year in Philly, like, just some really cool, like, uh, like, archival, you know, maybe documentary type shit, a lot of song ideas, just, like, it, that shit sent me into a downward spiral. That's actually, the, that was, like, the beginning of, like, the end of Philly, like, you know. Oh, really? I, I had, like, a real, like, just, I mean, I still get sad when I think about it. <laughs> Dude, but, I, yeah. I feel that. That's, that's, oh, man, that would be so hard to deal with. Like, I had a podcast episode get deleted this past week, and that, just that one episode, and that drove, drove me crazy. Like, I can't, I can't imagine a, yeah. a whole hard it drive hit, worth of stuff. It hit hard. I mean, that's not a, and I, I'm so bad when it comes to, uh, I, mean, I, I need to get better at, at, you know, backing up, you know, or saving shit to my external. Mm-hmm. And I had one, and I thought I'd had it, like, the album Um I lost all of that. Like, and I was going to go back and remix it, you know, because I thought it was better, and I just lost all that. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it wasn't the first one time, you know, I was mixing that same album, and I I don't know what I did. I, something with Logic, uh, with the uh, Logic program, and I fucked up the whole... I'm just not great with technology. I mean, I, I, I get by, but I just, you know... I always have these issues. If it's not, you know, uh, on my end, it's like it's a total failure of the, the device that I have. So, yeah, you know, that's where I'm at. I, I got a 2000, fucking 2009 Mac right now, and uh, I have been talking to a friend about a you know, music video. I even put out a feeler out there for, you know, whoever. Um, it just nothing ever comes into fruition. Which yeah. Is, um, yeah. It's really hard because video or like film is just such a collaborative effort, and um, you know, like it's it, it to do it really well, it takes a whole team of people because you're essentially creating like an entire like new reality in in yeah. some ways or a new universe, and it's like. Um, and even though that universe might only have to exist in a couple locations, you, you still have to like have the hands and the eyes and the just just the brawn to put it all together, and then the technology to also, you know, do it. It's it's not it's really difficult trying to. And I've done a handful of videos. Like I, I come from a film background, and that and I've done a handful where I just did it myself, and it's like so hard, so hard yeah. to not burn out and just give up before it's done because it's so labor intensive. Yeah, that's another another part of the whole equation too. Even out here, you know, when I was a before I had not to to Philly when I was in Swag, I you know I had uh, some friends that would film a lot of cool shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot. I still have a lot of stuff, you know, that at some point maybe might be used for something. But like a just like the process of several albums. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't have that as much, and I got it eventually. But you know, it's just another thing that 
works nicer if you have someone to to work with, right? Totally. I mean, I, I have enough of a time trying to write and record the fucking thing. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, I can, I can, some sort of music video at some point. But uh, yeah. Well, I I I believe in you, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I mean, I we'll guess. we'll try and hold each other accountable, or or yeah. like uh. You know, like keep each other updated on how the music videos are coming along. Yeah, I mean, like it's just it's weird. It would have been better. I mean, especially with this because uh, you know it would have been nice to have something in Philly, which is the idea I had. I had all this footage, and um, I, you know, the idea was to try and capture some sort of live slash like a, like a collage of like behind the scenes. You know, it's like pretty like standard type stuff but again like I don't have the the gear for it but uh whatever I'll, music videos will happen eventually at some point again whenever they happen anyway yeah. so uh, this podcast so, tell me like uh, we just we just shot into it I mean I guess I don't know I don't know how you run this thing but um yeah we just kind of just jump right in and just start talking about different different things about you know life on the road or being an artist and um you know if we start kind of from the beginning you you were raised in you were you born in california or arizona yeah Yeah, east la Um, okay east la and but by this point you know i'm I'm fucking adopted arizonan like Mm -hmm. is arizona arizonan arizonian arizonan whatever I'd call it Arizonan, but I'm not. I'm not the authority on it. I haven't lived there since I was 18. I, I don't. I don't know myself. Um, yeah. What? Okay. So how long were you in uh, in Cal or East LA? Not long. I was a kid, man. I, you know, uh, we lived there. I lived there with my family, and then they moved here. Um, at the time, particularly. So you were, how old were you when you moved to Yuma? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Eight. I was. You know, I was a kid. I was here in Yuma till about, and I left the flag when I was 19. Okay, and so you did like pretty much high school, junior high, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There in Yuma. All the uh, yeah, the fun teenager shit. School basics were here, and then uh, I, I dipped out to flag. Um, it's a really weird time. Anytime uh, prior to really getting into music was, I mean, I, I did music here as well. I was in several bands, but at that point I was just playing guitar in whatever little metal or, you know, metal core, hardcore bands I was in. And, uh-huh. you know, I was really big into like just metal in general. I was a bit of a metalhead shredder phase I had going on. And uh, Well, when did, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, 12, 13. Uh, yeah, yeah. Junior you- high. You've got a handful of brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any sisters? No sisters, bro. Uh, I got I got a niece now, though. got a niece coming up on another niece, actually. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, Congrats. All girls, yeah. Thank you. So, so on that, um, you know. How, um, how many brothers do you have? Four brothers, man. Four. Oh, wow. So there's five yeah. of you total? Yeah. We're a crazy bunch around here. It's been cool being back, um, you know. In Philly, I was only able to come visit like once a year. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's hard to fit catch up on a whole year, you know, of living in like the week and a half, two weeks that would have when I'd come down here. But um, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's, that's the family thing. And, uh, I don't know. Um, musically, you know. I got my older my older brother. He used to play in a band. Um, we're the only. Well, actually, my younger brother's another. He's 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 musical, I guess. But as far as you know, uh, bitten with the with the obsessive gene to to make shit, you know, constantly. That's definitely where I lucked out. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, so, been been a, a good time. A good odd time. <laughs> this year's been fucking. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, this year's this year's exceptional. Um, um, as far as crazy, but like when you went, so your older brother got you into playing music, or is that how you first yeah. kind of like got introduced to playing guitar? No, no, that was all on me. Uh, I was actually, a, well, something like that. I was back in middle school. So, yeah, our, our father, he uh, he's a musician as well, and somewhat of a painter. He was a creative guy. Okay. He wasn't he wasn't very good when it came to teaching or, you know, um just the fatherly roles in general, right? But music in particular. There was a point where he I think he tried teaching me bass and the bass was fucking bigger than I was, right? Yeah. Uh, didn't work out so well till about middle school that I was a Big into skateboarding, and uh, I had a friend that uh, he had this. He had a guitar, and you know, I, it it was a real piece of shit. It wasn't in any sort of functioning form, but we like mess around with it. I, I would be skating, and uh, I remember my dad coming home one time with this uh, guitar he found in a some junkyard or some like garage sale or something. So yeah, generic sort of strat looking thing, but um. I took it and I started kind of just strumming it, and from there I kind of just put it in the back of my head. I never really took the the whole concept of playing seriously, and then uh, till about yeah, like seventh grade, I had some friends at school that uh, you know, they had a band. Uh, one of my friends in particular is really good uh, on guitar, and you know. Just, Big into music, and I used to talk about like jamming all the time. I was like, you know what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, jamming? What is this jamming? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, his dad had this whole setup of jam room, and um, you know, after we'd be like, and the group of us would be would be done skating, we'd uh, we'd go to his place, and you know, we'd just make noise, nothing good. Um, but I do recall. Trying to try out for the, I tried out for his band um, as a bass player, and I, I talked myself up a lot because at this point, like, I was really trying to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I kind of took the guitar. It, my dad had this old guitar, this crazy Japanese, uh, maybe Mexican, wild-looking thing, and uh, I just annoyed the shit out of everyone with it. And uh, I had this little chord chart. That's what I learned with um, tried out for this band on bass and fucking did horribly. Just it was embarrassing, man. Yeah. Um, you know, on the ride home, you know, my mom picked me up. On the ride home, I was just like, 
devastated and just disappointed in myself that I, you know, talked myself up all kinds and ultimately was just not anywhere near, you know, what I had spoken. All right. So that's kind of when I turned to, and sit around and really got serious and from then on man it was just uh obsessed you know with playing guitar and eventually i i got good and it wasn't until uh uh flag where i really started like writing songs you know like lyrically you know i discovered you know dylan and you know fucking Leonard cohen and all that and all all the guys yeah and uh yeah i mean it's a really weird time you know what before yeah, getting the music, there was like this weird time frame. Um, it's like a, before really, a, I don't know how, how to describe it. It's like a, an awareness of, of, of self, you know. That's really where it, where it clicked is when I started really playing and, you know, kind of like thinking like, oh, this is, uh, I guess this is, this is an identity of sorts, I guess. Like, you know, I was like saying for a lot of musicians or artists in general, like when you find that thing that you fucking love, you know, it's uh that's where it kinda clicked for me, I guess. Totally. No. I mine was I think mine happened around a, a similar age, but it just took me a long time to like fully accept it. And uh, I was I was always trying to be like one of the background players or like the support guys like um playing playing bass or trying you know, originally there was a kid I wanted to be a drummer and then it was too loud so my parents were like, Maybe you should play guitar. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, like, uh, but it, I don't think it was until I was uh, in my 20s and I started writing my own songs that I was like, yeah. that I, it became like really obsessive. It was it was almost about an, like wanting more the image of being playing in a band than it was. <laughs> and even though I wouldn't admit that back then, than it was ever about being like very good. And then later on, it was like, holy shit, this is what I want to dedicate my life to. It's like yeah. this craft. Like when you hear like Leonard Cohen or you get really into Bob Dylan or Towns Van Zandt and you're like, oh, oh this is like a this is like a craft. Like I could be like a carpenter as far as writing songs and music. And I and I and it's just kind of been a just a crazy pursuit ever since. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it becomes a way of life uh, for sure. Um as far as you know, similarly, I I was uh, I was mostly just a guitar player, I guess you could say. Like, I, I always felt pretty confident about like kind of jumping around. Not sure why. I felt mm-hmm. that uh, once I got the uh, the the concept of playing the guitar, I was like, well, I can do that. I can do everything else, I guess. You know, drums mm-hmm. kind of came uh, naturally, which is really funny. Um, and I used to bang away on the desk and annoyingly you know and you get a lot you gain a lot of bad habits you know when you're playing the kick on your you know left hand and you know you right or whatever um but being able to go to my friends and uh he had a you know whole kit set up i caught on to you know dissecting the brain really you know like freakishly quick so you know that that was you know definitely a shot of of, of confidence, but uh, you know even then it, it took took a while for me to gain the confidence to uh, try and sing. I remember, um, you know, like I said, my brother and I we would just record these things, you know, 
songs or whatever. We had to cover bands. And unless we had, a, you know, a, a singer of some sort, everything was always instrumental. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I tried jokingly, you know, we recorded this, like, this joke track one time. Our dad came in and, you know, he was like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, oh, we're just, you know, fucking around recording. He listened to it and, you know, he was just like, ah, you didn't come out like me at all. You can't sing. And so that kind of just stuck with me for a while. I was like, oh, I guess I can't sing, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, and it wasn't until, you know, uh, living in Flag, you know, being snowed in, it was a crazy winters there. And, uh, you know, being home alone, that uh, I got fucking just, you know, bored or whatever, like something just took hold of me. You know, it's like, I need to, you know, Probably going to like some some open mics, you know. There was a real good open mic scene then. Right. But seeing these other cats doing doing this, and it's like, oh, I can I can do that. I'm pretty sure. You know, I've never written a song, and you know, I just uh, I had a camcorder. You know, recorded it. I didn't even have an acoustic at the time. I had a I had my casino, the Epiphone Casino, the semi hollow body in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh. I, wrote this song called 64 Blues and um, it was about my grandfather and uh, you know I showed a friend so rest in peace you know she passed away last year she uh, she had a big impact on me man she was a fucking phenomenal guitar player classically trained you know yeah. uh, blues. What's her name? her name is uh, Rihanna Rihanna Zavala and uh Badass chick, uh, one of my best friends, and you know, I showed her this song, you know, just you know, out of trust and you know, some fighter. And I was like, I should, you know, if it's any good, you know, if it sucks, let me know. You know, I said, need the fucking the embarrassment, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that moment was pivotal. Like she could have, she could have, you know, broken me down, and I, you know, that would have been the end of that. But she, she heard it and she fucking loved it, and she like. Just like push me, she's like, you gotta do more of that, like, you know, fucking jump on that, you know. Every doing, yeah. doing it. So from there on, man, honestly, like it was just, um, I, uh, I almost didn't even go to class just to write, you know, I could fucking stay up late. I couldn't sleep or shit anyway. So I'd, yeah. uh, I'd be writing all the time, writing, 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 and uh, eventually, you know, I discovered Cohen, I discovered, you know, Nick Drake, uh, uh, you yeah. know, Tom Waits, all, all the guys that eventually became like my you know, like my, my uh, influences, and it wasn't until even if, and, and this was already by this time, we'd gone through several bands that, you know, the fucking lead singer would, um, you know, would bail on us or whatever, and yeah. I got tired of that shit, so yeah, I started writing this, these uh, songs. I couldn't project very well unless I, like, yelled the notes out, and that's kind of I started getting used to yelling, and I was like, oh, I can yell. Like, uh, no, it doesn't sound pretty. You know, I can, I can get that note if I... <laughs> yeah. If I really uh, I, uh, push it out. And, you know, just from there on, like, it was funny, but you were saying you, you start these these positions, you have an idea, like, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't want to be in the spotlight, but eventually you're like, well, if you want to really express how you're feeling or you want to get your ideas out there or whatever, like, you have to 
eventually you'll get there or, or you'll want to, you know. Totally. And, well, the, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. There's uh, um, there's something you said about the, the lead singers just bailing and you got sick of that shit. Yeah, yeah. And my, my like, entire songwriting career was, like, born of me being, like, in a band and really serious with this band and dedicating, like, all kinds of time and money and, like, my whole life to it for a few years. Yeah. And then the lead singer just bailing. Um, yeah. And it was because he, he said it was too much like a job. And he's, like, a rich kid who'd never had an actual job in his life. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just, like, eventually it was just, like, fuck you. Like, I'll, I'll do this on my own. I'll write my own fucking songs. Like, like, and I would like help him write some of the songs, but I was just like, I'll just do it all on my own. And then that like whole, um, spite and just like bull headedness just is like what's driven me the past 15 years. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's a, there's a lot of that for sure. I think, uh, you know, that I put a lot of the fuel behind it, you know, like the, the spider, just like the naysayers or just, you know, have anyone, just in any form that's ever like doubted your ability to do it, or you know, even just your 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 um. What's the word I'm thinking? Uh, I just totally had a, a fucking, I had the the conviction. There you go. Um, you know. Sorry, the the what? It's just like proving your conviction, or you know, to yourself, or rather to others, like you know. Oh, totally. It's a funny question. You always get it. You know. Like, you haven't spoken to someone in a while. I'm like, hey, you know, how's it going? You still doing the music? And, still doing uh, the music thing? Yeah. It's yeah. always the, the music thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> depending on how, I'm, you know, I am or not, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, still, it's there. You know, stuff's happening. It's, just, it's not popping right now like it has. But, I mean, I don't know. Everyone, their process is different. And, you know, uh, it's like I was telling you, you know, before we did this, like, I've never been, like, the, the road warrior type. Like, I've I've done my share of touring or, you know, what have you. Um, mm-hmm. playing, but, I don't know. I guess for me, like, uh, I knew right away it was always more about just, like, the the, the aspect of uh, writing and recording, you know. Uh-huh. Um, once I really caught on to it, you know, especially in Philly, like, I had this spot. You would have fucking loved it, man. If you if uh, you had seen it, it was. Um, I can't believe we didn't collaborate more and we didn't take advantage of yeah. us living uh, so close together more. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was wild, right? So at the time, so one of my one of my first really good friends I, I made in Philly. Um, you know, we ended up just like connecting right away, and that's uh, how I met Scott. Actually, is uh, this open mic. Him and this okay. other kid, uh, Marcus, uh, they had a band called Daddy Longlegs, and, you know, we kind of, like, connected and ended up playing a show with them. And, you know, just from there on, we kind of, like, we would kick it here and there. We'd hit open mics, and, um, you know, I went to their spot, and I, I was fucking jealous. My was like, this massive, um, I guess you could call it two-bedroom, but I, I'm not sure what it was prior to that. But uh, the the two rooms, there was, it was the living room, kitchen area, and then this massive room separated by two swinging doors. Like, I don't fucking know. It was like a business building or some sort, but it was in a, in a commercial area. There was like, just like this little row of houses. We had two neighbors. The house itself was above this abandoned pizza shop, which we were given free reign to use. Um, 
no one around for noise complaints. Like he could play at all hours of the day. Um, you know, just all this space. The only catch was that it was like the fucking. It was it was just decrepit. It was like the Fight House Club, you know, uh, Fight yeah. House. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking so cold. It was colder indoors, you know, than outdoors in the winter, and then hotter indoors than outdoors, you know, in the yeah. winter. But we may do in just for the creative freedom uh, it allowed us, man. It was that's why I was just able to just like pump out shit so so like so often and so freely is and that was a big factor and like at that point I was still like on the the jump off like uh, should I go to New York like that was really you know that was on my um on my mind you know that was the plan from the beginning was to go to New York and, and move right. to New York but uh I came up on this place like there's no there's no way I'm gonna find something like this in New York and totally. you know whatever but uh yeah um that's kind of, you know, I, I fell into, like, the whole Brian Wilson sort of, uh, you know, I guess, path where, like, I I tried to play as many shows as I could in the tri-state area, but yeah. I knew that, for me, unless I had, like, a fucking designated driver of sorts, because, you know, I have sleep apnea, I have sleep issues, I can't, I wouldn't be able to fucking be driving, like, across the country and, like, you know, it'd have to be very calculated or I'd fucking crash and die, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. So, um, you know, it was just like, to me, like, my mentality was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, songwrite and, and, and record and just try and, you know, do the best that I can. And, you know, I'm in a pretty fucking sweet spot in the country where, you know, uh, Philly, Philly, I, I think still has one of the uh, one of the greatest fucking music scenes in the country. Like, I, I'm, um, I I love Philadelphia. The more I I get to know it, the more I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I just love it. It's just a fucking rock and roll city. It's so fucking rock and roll. And, oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's so it's a. I I'm almost like. <laughs> I I want to live there at some point. I feel like, or just spend yeah, a lot more time there. Oh, fuck it. I miss it, dude. I miss it so much. Um, and it's really funny. I thought, like, again, you know, the the plan for me was, you know, Philly for, like, a few months, money, save up money, and then fucking New York, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, after that first year in, in Philly, you know, I got, I went through some shit, man. Like, you know, <laughs> you know uh, I got arrested. I got shot at. I got, you know. Holy oh, shit. I went Here, to rehab and, you, know. well, you want to take me back to because um, I'd like I'd love to go over that time in Philly and the yeah. the time afterwards. But the like back in Flagstaff about the time when I met you, I remember yeah. reading an article about you that I don't know if Lisa Whaley had written or I don't know she had sent it to me. That's who got me in touch with you and just about yeah. how you were like in all kinds of bands and you also wrote your own music and you were for several bands um and you were just like kind of the az music man for a bit there at least the northern arizona dude like what what did that look like like one deciding to did you like decide to go to flagstaff to go to nau or was it just to get out of yuma yeah i mean nau for sure and to get out of yuma i mean i was 19 at the time when I graduated from high school, I had no plans. I mean, I was 
in a metal band. I had a girlfriend and I was fucking happy. And the idea was, I'm just going to make music. Like that was my fucking, that was my mindset. Yeah. But the parents, you know, they were just riding their back and they're like, all right, you got to do something, you know, whatever. Went to a community college here. I had a friend of mine, he talked me into, you know, taking the, uh, the music major path, which is fucking crazy because this guy's been in like jazz, you know, band, marching band, like all through elementary. And there's no way I was going to march in there and, you know, know what the fuck I was doing. That lasted a month, dude. I fucking dropped that after a month. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, jumped on an English major after failing my first, you know, bombing my first semester. And, um, you know, I, I got talked into it by some friends, you know. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, her sister lived in Flag, and when we went to go visit them, you know, I kind of, I, I didn't, I had no idea about, you know, what Flagstaff was and what it was about. And they were kind of like, Funky kind of chicks, right? You know, they kind of were into like the, the scene in, in Flag, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I fell in love with it. The fact that it was still Arizona, but it just looked nothing like Arizona. Um, yeah. The downtown area, just the idea of freedom after, you know, like having lived in Yuma, though it, it is smaller than Yuma, it feels bigger, you know, like the, and of course the demographic, you know, it's like the college town and totally. whatever. So, that was the end. That was, I mean, that was the reason I, I moved out there, um, and I was all about school. You know, the first year and a half, which is why I was like such an odd time in my life because I didn't do anything musical for a while. Like I, we all lived in a. There was five of us living in a fucking apartment, a three bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother couldn't take his drum set. I didn't have an amp anymore. Um, you know, it was a it was a weird time, um, not playing really or you know having any sort of creative outlet. Not a, I'd be sure when that changed at some point. I was just I guess I felt too weird without it. And my brother and I eventually like had a credit card. <laughs> he just fucking maxed it out. We bought you know we I got a, a like a, a half stack and I got that uh, that uh, Epiphone and he got a drum set and. From there, yeah, we just, you know, we started up again till eventually, you know, leading up to the the point where, you know, it, it took a few years, man. The scene in Flagstaff around 2007 was fucking, like, reggae, like, broed out reggae, jammy band type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was you know, playing in Flagstaff around that time, like, a, quite yeah. a bit, like, 2000. 2000- 2008, 2009 with my old band, Alaska and Me. Alaska and Me, that sounds familiar, man. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, we we played we played around like AZ quite a bit, and then the West Coast a little bit here and there. Huh. Um, I mean, I but, wonder if I, if I ever saw you guys play. Anything, you know? I, I wonder if we played any shows together before that happened. We used to play at that place called The Joint a bunch. That was yeah, like, the joint, like in the back was like a strip club, but the front oh, yeah. was like a club. Oh, all right, dude, man. The joint was the shit. That was, yeah, we we played some great shows there, dude. <laughs> you know, once that closed up, once that closed the uh, the joint, when they closed shop, uh, closed the shop. That was that was definitely the end of an era. Like that place was just grimy. Like south of the tracks and 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 um, and and flag. I keep wanting to say Philly. 
it's just changed. Yeah, I was there a lot back in in August. My girl and I went out there for a little, a little getaway, and you know, summer in Flag is is a ghost town anyway. But you know, especially during a pandemic, yeah. everything was closed, and I just didn't even recognize it. I mean, they're really trying to to uh, to appeal to you know hardcore tourists or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of like. Phoenix, you know, real peer companies, whatever, like buying up spots, and I don't even know how many fucking cafes there are. Not even cafes. There's like, a, what was it? Like, I don't know, just little shops, man. They closed up Primo's hot dogs. Dude, uh, they closed the hot dog spot. Yeah, they closed Primo's. Oh, up. Man, um, I love that spot. But Flag was popping at that time, and the oh, yeah. was definitely one of the spots. Um, and, um, I don't know, I, I didn't really hit up Phoenix too much. It wasn't until, my car wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something about the city at that point was, um, intimidating to me. You know, yeah. this is before GPS, right, was uh, readily available. And I just dreaded the idea of getting lost and crashing and dying, like, in that order. Just like, <laughs> uh. Yeah, so, for sure. I just, you know, I I played around and 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 flag a lot, a lot of open mics and didn't really like, I don't know, man. I once I started doing the acoustic shit, I just I just was not very good live. I I just always got too nervous or I didn't like my voice enough or whatever the reasons were. I just would I got to the point where I just dreaded playing acoustic and on top of that was the anxiety of being a guy up there playing like softer fucking, you know, Elliot Smith esque, you know, type shit and just trying to hold people's attention or whatever. I, it just wasn't working and I did it, but there was a point where I just, I was sick of it and, you know, I wanted to get louder and I wanted just to, to expand what I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, that's where I ended up buying a four track and I, started, I recorded the. I, I was I was I was uh, I was sleeping one night and I woke up and I was like, why don't I just write everything and record it myself, uh, like a whole thing, you know, the whole fucking uh-huh. album, like drums, bass, whatever. And it was such an easy thing to you know, looking back, I was like oh, of course, but that point was a revelation to me. I don't know why there was like this mental block of like, well, you know, you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have, you know, people backing up. I was like, well, I'm going to record this album. And if I never fucking play it live in it, in the way it recorded, then whatever, that's fine. Yeah, totally. Recording it. And that was just like, the, I guess from the jumping point where I just started, you know, I made it a, a point to um, record all the time and, Kind of like create that new um, persona, I guess you could say. Like, you know, I, I wanted people to know what I was about, what I was doing, what I loved, you know. Um, yeah. I wanted them to, to see me and be like, oh, this motherfucker, you know, listens to Tom Waits. Oh, this guy, you know, Dylan. And eventually it became that, which was you know, really funny. Just like, uh, I guess to the point eventually where that kind of becomes annoying because then, you know, you don't. You no longer have your own, you know, I guess, uh, 
your name is always attached to that, which is not a bad thing, but um, it's what I wanted at the beginning. Like, I wanted to be – I didn't want my name tied up with the local, you know, acts, you know, when mm-hmm. – which is what I would always see, like the scene, you know, it's like always the same name, be it Flag or or Phoenix. Like I wanted, like when my shit, you know, when anyone was talking about me, I was like, so and so, Brian, and you know, it's my way, it's you know, Louis, whatever. Uh-huh. And I think eventually, yeah, that just worked in my favor because, uh, you know, that's where I started getting a lot of, I don't know. Uh, recognition and it took goddamn almost six years and and flag you know the time I was there yeah like the last three years where I started really you know picking up you know I guess uh, speed and you know I I met some more you know bands like them savages uh, yeah there were some buddies of mine and then and then I met Decker and you know that's again you know that's just where I I want to do as much as I could, you know, as often as I could do it. It was yeah. like a, a fucking tick, you know, like a song, 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 song. Not really worrying about playing, you know, again, just because, like, I couldn't find the band mates, maybe, or the, the committed enough band mates to do or to make the sound I wanted. For whatever reason, that didn't happen till Philly, you know. Where I finally was able to find like like-minded musicians, you know, never committed enough, you know, or you know, or at, at least at that point, I felt confident enough to be like a band leader. Totally. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to like. It's a weird place to be. I've been stuck there for a lot of years, and I think I'm kind of navigating my way out of it now. But like, where it's like I want complete control over everything. But I also need other people to help me make it happen um, to, yeah. to reach that sound because I'm not capable of doing it all at once or play even, you know, personally, I can't play the drums or, yeah. um, and I'm not a sound engineer. So it's like, it's a weird place to be because it's, um, you know, I don't want to be the dude with an acoustic guitar, but right now yeah. me, me with an acoustic guitar is the best way for me to get my songs out there to people because because I don't have all the people around me and I don't want to start like a band where everyone has equal say because I don't want to deal with other people's bullshit. (laughs) And it's like, it's like a weird thing to be, you know, like it's, it's a weird thing to navigate. And then, and then to also be doubting yourself the whole time. Like I've never, I've always really doubted myself as like a musician. I'm like, I've always been like, I'm a pretty good songwriter, but like I'm not the best vocalist and I'm not a great guitarist. And I've like, and it took it, took me a while it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I really started being like no you've got a good grasp of this stuff and you you can tell the bass player what to play during that one part and there's a way to do it with finesse or like work on something together that you both like like there you yeah. know what I mean and it's but like you have to have a certain level of confidence in order to be able to put that foot forward and I didn't have it for years I think it came out in the music a, a lot of times yeah yeah having that Definitely the confidence. I think what changed, you know, what what I realized that I had that a, a lot of uh, other musicians, you know, um, or you know, at least in Philly, that it took me by surprise. It's like you'd be you'd be you'd be surprised how many people like the vision, or at least the again like the the fucking 
um, takes like a certain amount of narcissism or maybe stubbornness or what have you like to, to see that it's probably through. a mixture of the two <laughs> I mean yeah yeah I mean how many other motherfuckers like when I arrived in fucking in Philly with the suitcase and my guitar case by train I've never been out there and you know I made sure people fucking knew that's how I got there and uh, yeah. you know, that was a selling point for me like and it it did serve me well it took me less than a year to get my name out, you know, in Philly, whereas it took, what, I don't even know, like four years, five years in, in fucking Arizona, like in Plug and Zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I gained an idea of like a, how to weave that storyline, you know, that narrative, like people, and I think that's missing now, like uh, people want that, they, they want to, they want that sort of like, that myth, right, that mythos that's attached to musicians like the the story like to me it was always like about that you know that romanticism that vision and yeah. when people see that like they want to be a part of that like you know I hit the ground running and, and Philly as soon as like I need two things like I needed to fucking start playing immediately and I needed gear because all I had was a fucking guitar an acoustic guitar and you know I got to it you know the first guys I knew, he had a fucking a whole setup, you know. That, so that was my way in, and from there yeah. on, like I just, you know. Yeah, but uh, you know that that vision, you know, that confidence, and remember when I started recording the first proper album in myself, because I had a I had a band in Philly. I don't know if you heard that or ever knew about the band that uh, that I formed uh, called Beverly Mud. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I listened to uh, you guys put out. Was it? One album? Yeah, yeah, we put it on an album, yeah. Yeah, I listened to that a, a, a good handful of times when it came out. Yeah, that was fucking fun. Man. That was... Yeah. Man, that was... Hands down... That was a definite turning point as well, like, creatively. Like, you know, I wanted to do weird shit. I met I met this guy, Marcus, um, who at, the, at that time, you know, was possibly, like, the, the best collaborator I'd come across, like, creatively... You know, mentally, we were on the same, you know, same wavelength. We, we knew what we kind of wanted to put out there, you know, like some sort of, like, Nick Cave, Tom Waits, you know, Zappa, like, just kind of carnivalesque weird shit. Yeah. And um, after that, you know, that fell apart. Same fucking story, man. Like, the the other musicians, you know, they crapped out, whatever, they whatever issues were, right, they just fucking, they, they, they fell through, and it was such a bummer, we were picking up steam, and it was a five-piece, you know, mm-hmm. um, theatrics, whatever, everything, and, and it just kind of, like, we were left with, like, it was me, Marcus, and the other the other dude, who wasn't so much a musician, he was our bass player, but uh, he didn't really know how to play the bass, he would play what we showed him, but he couldn't really write or play, and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, typical bass point, players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was me when I used to play bass. That's why I ended up playing bass in Alaska. And me was like, I I knew my way around the guitar, but I was definitely not the best guitarist. So they're like, how about you play bass? Man, I fucking love when I play bass for Decker. Like that shit. Bass is important. Everything is important. But oh, totally. It's it's my favorite thing to do. Like I would love to play bass in a band now. Yeah, and because I like learned how to play with a band by playing bass, so it's like yeah, yeah. I fucking love it so much. 
but at the time it was just like you're the worst guitarist so you play bass <laughs> people still um, i mean they just they undermine the bass player or the bass like they just take it for granted and it's like god if you don't have a great bass line in your songs get the fuck out you know unless it's for sure you know guitar vocals whatever but you know my bass player out here, Jared. You played. We played some shows together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played on the on the new record and his bass lines. Every time I listen to it, I'm just like, dude, you fucking slayed this. Thank you, thank you so much for like, you know. He was like, we're in the studio, and he's like waking up early before us to practice his bass lines, and then we're all practicing after we stop recording for the day. Me, him, and Blake are practicing until we go to bed. Just whatever we're gonna record the next day. It's just like, yeah. uh, and it, the ba- the album turned out way better because because he's the bass player. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. What I've what I've heard uh, so far from some of the new albums, fucking musically, has just been fucking great. Thank you. He definitely. Thank you, dude. Yeah, um, looking forward to hear the rest of that, man. Um, I thought that was. Okay. I mean, especially you record it during such a fucking tumultuous time too. It's just like, you know. Oh uh, yeah, like week yeah. one of quarantine. <laughs> yeah, it adds to the drama. Uh, yeah. yeah. So is, I think it's just cool for like the the, the backstory, right? Like, which, um, you know. Yeah, it was really rad to just like be locked in the studio. You know, it's like well, we 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 can't go anywhere, but that's also kind of really cool because we can just focus 100% on making this right now. Yeah. yeah. Which, I don't know. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I'll send you an early listen if you, you want to hear it. Hells yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Man. yeah. That the quarantine thing, you know, it was like the same thing, but, um, you know, the, the album, so I just put out, you know, in October I put out because and then I put out this other, uh, well, it's on, on, on Bandcamp, but uh, it won't be on Spotify until later this month. But uh, uh, it's called Usably New. Both of mm-hmm. those are written in the same sort of span of time. Well, the idea first got started around that time, 2015, I wrote the first five songs for that on my four track. The, like the weekend that the Pope came to Philly. I don't know if you remember that. I remember you posting about the Pope being in Philly on like yeah. Instagram or Facebook. Okay. I remember it being a thing, so I, yeah. I remember this for sure. Mark Mark Wahlberg wasn't there. It was like crazy. It was a, <laughs> they basically closed down the fucking city, and you couldn't like, you know, they, they put all these blocks around there. You couldn't do shit. It was just wild. So I was just like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna record an album. I'm just gonna. Like, start to finish, I'm going to do it this fucking weekend. It was just like, you know, what I'd set out to do. And I knew at that point, again, like, direction where I was going, because I'd already, all that day was like, you know, it was part of the whole trilogy thing, which I, I don't know if I've told you about, right? But, like, the albums that I created in Philly were, for the most part, were all, like, what I'd like to call album studies, where... Of course, the, the songwriting itself is mine, you know, as original as I could, you know, write uh-huh. music. But what I did was borrow, you know, the sonic uh, aspect. Like, I think of it, like, in the terms of, like, a painter, like, painting a master copy of, like, you know, whatever their favorite painter is. Like, you know, yeah. trying to learn how to paint a Van Gogh, you're going to 
in a Van Gogh, like you're going to fucking practice painting one of his portraits or a landscape. You learn oh, yeah. them and, you know, you kind of put yourself in that perspective. So I took that approach when it came to writing the albums. Um, uh-huh. You know, all damn day, I I wanted to write something with poppy hooks. Because I'd never really done that. Like, I never thought I could write poppy stuff, you know, or whatever, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was really big on, like, a Lou Reed, you know, Velvet Underground kick, you know, I was really listening to Hunky Dory, fucking David Bowie. Totally, kid, yeah. Um, the Green Village, or was it the, I always forget the name of the album. The Green Village Preservation Society, the Kinks. Fucking great album. I don't know and, that one. Oh, yeah. You haven't? No, I will check that out. I might know some songs on it, but I'm not like, you I don't know the Kinks it. catalog super well. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you've you definitely heard a few songs off of that. Like, it's it's their fucking, you know, it's one of their crown jewels, like. Okay. Um, but, I'll put that uh, on this week for sure. I had, a, you know, I just had my acoustic, so I knew at that point, like, I wanted to write a, a fucking, you know, pop just album. And I, I'm jumping around a lot, but I, I recorded the, what came to be known as Blue Hours, like the three month span in Philly on you know fucking garage band, like just shitty, you know, demos. Yeah. But in that, you know, I was trying to keep, you know, the routine. I didn't want to fall out. I wrote the song What's Paisley. Um, and that's what eventually, you know, led to like, oh fuck, this is kinda like a poppy song. Like it's very verse chorus verse, um, whatever. I mean, it came off sounding more nineties and 60s or 70s, but, you know, I, I changed the dressing as I kept running. But, yeah, um, totally. Um, yeah, from there, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to do this in the vein of this time period. And then the next one, I'm going to do the 80s, because I fucking love, you know, anything post-punk. I want yeah, to totally. She's Mary Chain, and then, of course, the fucking 90s. Discuss. So, at that point, I'd already kind of written and was in the process of writing expectations, so I was like, well, I might as well start on the 90s stuff, so I busted that shit out. Five songs. I was going to just release them as is, or as was, and, you know, I showed them to, to my, my buddy Frank and, you know, my girlfriend at the time, and the consensus was, you know, that I should write more songs and re-record those and, you know, do it proper, because um, Scuzz was not supposed to be, you know, as loud and heavy as it, as it is, it was uh-huh. going to be that minus the distortion and minus the yelling. It was going to be like soft grunge or something, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it you know, it became what it is. And, um, I'm not even sure where I'm going with this, honestly. No, I, I was listening to Scuzz today, and um, I recognize a lot of those songs from that era when you and I, we did those couple of, full band shows together in New York and in Philly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I recognize a lot of those tunes, and I was like, oh, I'm so fucking stoked that this is out because I loved everything you were playing with the boys back then. Has like, this really Nirvana-y feel, but, like, yeah, sure. like just 90s grunge. Like, exactly. Uh, I love that you're doing the, the concept of that. I didn't, I didn't fully realize that's what you were doing, that you were doing these, like, album studies by, like, decade that's so fucking rad dude yeah 
uh, it it got annoying to explain because not everyone wants to hear that. You know, fucking most people just go like, just shut up and you know, be fucking listening. But it's an important <laughs> yeah. piece of yeah information to know because I mean, I'm not gonna just put out a fucking album that sounds almost you know specifically like a style of you know music unless at least I wouldn't you know unless yeah. there's a story behind it and, and it's the it's a very you know it's it's intentional like um, yeah of course uh there's differences in the music itself but uh you know the aesthetic like that's it's very much on par with what we were doing and I was kind of nervous particularly with Scuzz I was like uh, I'm going to put this out and everyone's just going to be like well this motherfucker's just trying to sound like you know Nirvana or whatever but whatever man fucking people I would hear people all the time just being like man I miss this shit or you know I want to hear this like, like and as soon as someone puts something out that sounds you know in that same spirit you know they get called out and they're like well you fucking find your own sound like oh yeah, dude, that's such that's, that's such jaded bullshit. I think um, if someone like, because personally, I feel like I mean, with all due respect to whoever this might offend, like Kurt Cobain dying was in the long run why like you can't make music like Nirvana anymore. I don't, you know, or like. But or like I don't know I don't know how to put it like if Nirvana had kept making music eventually people would have been like fucking get a new sound like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean and then now people want more of it and then as soon as you ask for it or as soon as you make something like get a new fucking sound like people are just people don't yeah. know what they want you know like they they devour like I don't know they devour yeah, people and, and ruin everything good. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to satisfy everyone. Like, It's funny, when we started playing this Gus stuff, like, it was almost like, like they, of course, it's the only, most people are going to know that band. I mean, you know, other influences behind the fucking, the album itself were bands like Wipers, which was, you know, probably the most, one of, if not, yeah, I'd say their most influential band Nirvana, on Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um you know, or pavement or silver juice, just in yeah. general, like you know, that kind of just gritty, you know, scathy guitar, you know, loud, quiet, dynamic type of thing. Um, totally. And it, it gave me a chance to finally just kind of like let her rip vocally, or just you know, a proper rock album. Unfortunately, yeah. at the time, I was I was sick as fuck when I was recording the fucking vocals, so my voice was all like stuffy. Um, I think it sounds great, dude. I was fucking jamming it today. I appreciate that. I, you know, um, it's just like a personal thing, right? I was gonna re-record the vocals when I came uh, back to Arizona, mm-hmm. and eventually, just like eh, it's not gonna sound the same. It's just like that's satisfied or not, you know, it's part of the aesthetic, you know, or, or just the experience of the album when we recorded it. We fucking threw it together in a weekend, like literally. Yeah. Um, live, you know, it, it, and it came. I wasn't gonna record the fucking thing. I was at that point, man. I was so down and out and just tired uh, that I didn't want to do the fucking thing. I was tired of the song. I was tired of music. I was tired of, you know, just everything. And I was gonna let the songs die. I don't remember exactly what pushed me towards like, you know, the fuck it factor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know it happened and you know I got a hold of the guy that was like alright let's you know find a fucking studio, uh, basement um, this, this fucking album should have been out should have been recorded in 2017 like, <laughs> like this thing yeah. to be out for a while but we had like we had a studio session uh, lined up in Philly and the fucking sound engineer guy like dicked that on us like just total bullshit. So a lot of that stuff happened along the way, but um. Well, take me know. back to to your first few years in Philly. You're you're doing making some progress, and then then you you know if you don't mind talking about it, you said you like you hit some really dark times. You got arrested, and like I know you you had to take a step back from drinking for a while. Like I mean, if unless you don't want to talk about yeah, any of that, well, which is fine. I don't know issues with it. Um, yeah, you know, I think I. I anticipated, you know, run-ins with, you know, mental health, you know, as I already had in, in Flag, like, you know, there was a point in Flag, you know, when I first moved out, before I moved out there, I had, like, a fucking nervous breakdown, and I kind of built myself up from that, so I was feeling good by the time I, you know, I'd made the decision to move out to Philly. Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have done it, right? Like I just felt strong mentally, you know, and just as you know, as a whole. Plus, yeah, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be my brother and I that were supposed to move out there, and he ended up making you know, a decision to stay in Arizona the night before leaving. You know, oh, wow. back to flag to take the train out. So a lot of things just changed in like the span of like a fucking night, and uh, including the reason of me being out in in Philly, like. You know, the, it was gonna, I was going to move to fucking L.A., and it was my brother that uh, was like, well, if we're going to do this, you know, you know, do it all the way. Let's go to fucking New York. And, and whatever, right? So that changed the the, the uh, um, that changed the direction of, of you know, of uh, what I was going to do in Philly, how I was going to do it, you know, because we yeah, had totally. two peach. We felt good. We had some great material. We were going to go fuck shit up and you know we we would have I think we would have some good shit anyway um, first year in Philly man was rough I like I said I underestimated the uh, the impact of uh, moving across the country um, yeah completely changing your life like in the time I'd been in flag like I made some fucking great friends some of the best friends I've ever made and just have like it felt like home, you know, and um totally. you know, I took forever to build up any sort of recognition or fan base and when I finally, you know, achieved some level of it I fucking decided to move across the country. Um stayed on the floor of a friend uh who I um, you know, forever be thankful, you know, grateful to her. I knew her through uh, when I played in Decker. She she dated uh, our guitar player at the time, and okay. he was actually there for a while, but he ended up leaving as well right as I arrived. So she was really the only, like, person I knew um, when I got there. And, uh, I don't know, man, the first, um, first few months in Philly, I didn't really have a plan. I, I thought I could just fucking pick up a job anywhere and, I don't know. I, I struggled when I got there. I had a thousand dollars to my name. That's 
what I had to you know, move out there with. Um, I paid rent for sleeping on the floor, you know, it was a little corner yeah. of the place, but you know, whatever. It's warm. Uh, it's a place to stay. And uh, I just, I don't know, I couldn't find a job for a while. And uh, I got hit with just like this. As soon as I arrived, you know, the the, the adrenaline of, of moving, it took like two nights, three days to get there by train. No oh. sleep. You know, an alcoholic at the time. <laughs> you know, I think it all just hit me. The exhaustion of, you know, recording like three albums before moving, like all the emotions, like all the goodbyes, all the everything. And I just hit like a wall and, um, you know, almost made the decision to move back, you know, two weeks after. Um, got past all that shit, finally. Um, but in the midst of that, like the first three months in Philly, uh, I just struggled, like um, um, making connections, making like uh, friends, um, and, you know, just kind of having like the whole questioning what the fuck I was doing out there, like you know. Totally, yeah. Um, I mean, especially with so many things changing, like directly before you left and whatnot. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a. Uh... That'd be a wild situation to step into. The high of, like, you know, everything in Arizona, just, like, I mean, it just wasn't, obviously, like, no one knew who the fuck I was, like, <laughs> and, uh... I know that feeling. <laughs> I just, I don't know, you know, and I started drinking, and I wrote, the, you know, that those all those songs and stuff, which I'm glad I kept, um, just, you know, for documentation uh, purposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. At some point, something clicked. I think I, started, I was watching Breaking Bad. That's how I was living for a while. Um, I would I would write songs here and there. I'd, I'd walk around the area, try to familiarize myself with, with South Philly, and then I'd like binge watch Breaking Bad. Never finished it. At some point, I just like I don't know if I just needed to catch up on sleep or whatever. Something happened. Louie died the month I got there, which I thought was a bummer. I don't know. Something about that just triggered me. Like I need to fucking get out there. Like I, I, I came, I got there for a reason and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I was gonna have to build back up. Basically, what I'd worked so hard to do in, in, in Flag and Arizona. Um, I don't know. First year was wild. I was homeless for a bit. Um, finally got a job. Met up with uh, Marcus and Scott, and from there things just started to. To build up, you know, I formed Beverly Mud. I um, moved into the place that will become 504, which is where I recorded a lot of stuff. Um, prior to that, you know, I ended up getting a, a fucking nine to five, and uh, that was rough trying to balance all that shit. Uh-huh. And the drinking habit was really getting bad. Like, I'd get home from work and, uh, you know, my bandmates would be at my place with a fucking handle of whiskey on a Monday. And we'd, you know, we'd kill it and, you know, I'd go the next day to work fucking just drunk. And did that for a lot of the first year. And I don't don't know if I was, like, trying to live that whole 27 Club bullshit. Um, Yeah, I know know that life. (laughs) Yeah. But I was really trying, you know, I was really going for it. And um, 
I don't know if I felt like it helped me write, you know, to freak myself so badly or, you know, my body so badly or whatever. I was just trying to put myself through, like, the crucibles, uh, this existence and, at that time. And I don't know. I got carried away. I uh, I, I, I was on medication, and uh, I had this day in particular where it turned into, like, the fucking Shining. I was trying to write this song, and I don't know, man. I just, like, cracked up, and... Uh, I woke up that morning and, like, started drinking immediately, like, at 9 o'clock. I don't know if I was just, like, I think everything just hit me. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. the the year of living there, like, missing the family. Um, Feeling like I hadn't really made any progress since, you know, being a silly and, like, just the shit hit the fan. Like, I had a lot of stuff going on in Arizona. Like, my, my parents had split. You know, one of my brothers was, like, a few of my brothers weren't doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of all fucking clustered together, and uh, I decided to drink about it. And, you know, it turned into like a 24-hour binge, which ended in fucking West Philly uh, with me in Southwest Philly in the fucking uh, holding cell because apparently uh, um, I had unknowingly basically committed uh, criminal trespassing and <laughs> breaking and entering. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. The details of which I, I didn't I didn't break into someone's house. It's, it's more come getting there. I was with a friend and we were celebrating him uh, getting a job and he was moving out to Chicago. And he ended up fucking blacking out and um I was in a crash at his place. I didn't know he was subletting a different place. I thought, you know, because his roommates are all new who I was. Yeah. No, I was in a fucking stranger's house, basically. And I don't know, man. Things got really blurry. Someone thought, basically, I was a home invader, and they fucking shot at me. Holy um, shit. Yeah, it was fucking wild. Um, according to the written, you know, report, I jumped in front of the gun and laughing as the, it happened. Um, I do recall hearing a pop when I guess that was the gunshot. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I woke up in the fucking basement of a random house and, you know, a cop's fucking knee in my back. And yeah, next thing I know, I'm in Southwest Philly in a holding cell and fucking. And then I'm in the state prison. Uh, it was wild. It was a wild time. Uh, Holy shit! How were you? How long were you in the state prison for? I have 24 hours, man. 24 hours. Oh, okay. That's 24 hours too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, I, I imagine. I don't know if you've ever been to or arrested or anything like that, but uh, I've always uh, talked my talked my way out of like I, I mean it's white privilege and nothing else, but I've always talked my way out of yeah. like actually being detained. Wow, yeah, I did not get so lucky. Then again, like I mean, just the fucking situation, right? It was just wild, dude. That's fucking. Yeah. That's an insane story. Like, I mean, dude. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Keep going. I. I mean, if you don't mind, keep going. That is. Uh, well, that darkness is is 
something scary, man. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. Uh, I mean, I was on I was on a lot of meds, man. I was the combination was not good, you know. I, I was yeah, well, and I mean, and I don't want to. I think what's it was what's just, most interesting about it is like your like what it looks like coming back from that because you're you seem to have like really. Oh, I mean, that, that seemed to have really rattled you a bit, and you, you I don't know, you seem to have for sure. had to have gotten, <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I, I've had no, those yeah. very different moments, but, like, I, I can still remember my pretty much rock bottom that was, like, the thing that was, like, okay, I gotta fucking, I gotta figure out how to, like, quit drinking or get this shit under control, or, like, it's either, like, I gotta fucking decide I want to keep living, or I gotta stop, you know, and that's, oh, yeah. like, uh, and, was- uh, I don't know. You know, I was too drunk to realize what was happening at the time. I was fucking blissed out, you know. I was on, like, a couple antidepressants, a fucking muscle relaxer, and whatever, you know, bottle of wine, fucking several, you know. I walked out of the bar. Like, the, the fucking bartender let us walk out of our you know, the bar with our drinks, like, yeah, you know, we closed that bitch down. The last yeah. was a gin of some sort. I rolled a cigarette, dude. I thought I was on the edge of a cliff when I was smoking that thing. That was, that was, I was gone. I was, but, uh, oh my yeah, God. the, uh, you know, the, obviously, like, when it got real, was, you know, I went through insane drunk to, through, uh, like, hungover to, like, sober all in the span of, like, you know, getting arrested, and then when they book you into prison, like, that was one thing. You get in there, they just throw you in there. I just slept it off, like, for the most part. I was I was, I was, was a terrible hangover. Several other people joined me in that cell, and each one of them left within a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there from, like, till midnight, basically, which I, I was not aware of. You're in a holding tank. I don't know if this is the same everywhere. But in Philly, if you're in a fucking holding thing, like in, in jail, you don't make bail by midnight, they take your ass to prison. Um, so that's what basically happened. Like, I didn't, I couldn't use my phone. They don't let you use your cell phone. They give you a fucking dial tone phone. I didn't have any numbers memorized. And if I did, they were probably Arizona and they were probably wrong. I couldn't call out of state anyway. So, you know, by default, yeah, they sent me to, to the fucking state prison, and, uh, you know, it was at that point, I mean, there were several times where I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like what did I yeah. do? Like, you know, what am I doing in my life? Uh, moments, and, you know, the, you know, talking to the judge, and, you know, her, you know, asking if I was an alcoholic or not, you know, I was like, oh, maybe. And I was just like, well, I recommend you rethink your life at this point and whatever and you know the drive to the prison was long I passed right by my house and the whole time I was trying not to freak out because there were several other inmates in that fucking van that you know were no strangers to the system apparently <laughs> I was even in prison going to prison I was a fucking loner like yeah. 
Dude. I was just trying to hatch an, a plan of like, all right, how am I going to get out of this? Like, all right, I guess I can call my job. Like, I work for a fucking call center. Like, I can call and, you know, whatever. And I don't know, man. I pulled something on my ass, but... Um, while I was there at the prison, which takes forever to get into, man, I fell asleep standing up, sitting down, like, I just, they drag it out. Um, there was a class, a visiting class from Harvard observing the prison that day, and I was sweeping up a fucking the floor, and while they were passing by, and they, you know, that feeling was fucking wild, you know, being on the other side while, you know, these students are, like, looking at you like you're a fucking animal. Like, what the who? fuck, dude? It was wild, man. And uh, That is insanity. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just had to get the fuck out of there, and I managed to, man. I, I was... I was prodding, I was making phone calls, I was, I had several plans lined up of how the fuck I was, because if I hadn't have tried so hard to get out, I would have been stuck there a minimum of like two weeks till like I, I had my first appearance in court, and um, I was able to somehow speak to, like since there was a social worker there, and I, and I spoke to her, and you know, from there on, like I found my way out, getting out of prison takes just as long as getting into prison. Um, as soon as I got out, man, like the idea right away was like quitting cold turkey. Like there wasn't even any fucking question about it. Like, um, you know, that was a little too real, a little too close. And at that point, I was like, all right, well, I know what it's like to literally be like have your rights taken away from you. Like, um. And of course, some of the motherfuckers there, I just didn't want to have to deal with, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the idea was like, I mean, one way or another, I was just like, all right, starting tonight, I'm quitting drinking, and I'm going to, you know, I knew I was going to have to see a fucking, you know, I was going to go to court, so I made the conscious decision to, you know, go see a fucking rehab, you know, as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did all my community service stuff because I had a clean record up to that point. I mean, I, I do now still. Yeah. Uh, but um, that just you know, the the idea of having everything taken away from me, you know, not being able to play music or music, you know, create art, just in general, like it was, you know, shoved in my face and. You know, the threat was real, and I, even after that whole fiasco, like, I, I had to go to the courthouse, like, every, like, couple months, you know, because they were trying to press charges uh, against me, um, so I faced the threat of actual, like, prison time, like, two to three years, oh, if wow. I'd been found uh, guilty. Um, so, you know, the work that I did, you know, helped me in the end, but, um, man, I stopped drinking, and my body paid for it, like, I 
the withdrawal was motherfucker. Like I had like fibromyalgia that apparently I had been masking. Uh, oh really? With all the alcohol, yeah. And, you know, because I, you know, I've been in that car crash with Decker. Yeah. And uh, I guess all the walking in in Philly, you know, kind of triggered whatever damage had been done from the crash. And not drinking, just, you know, I was no longer numb to all the stuff I was doing. And, totally. You know, it was a climb up from there. Like, I, you know, I well, spoke, again, on what was important, which is the writing and painting. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Is that about the time you started? I can't remember the exact timeline, but, like, you started getting really heavily into painting was after that? Yeah, basically. Um you know, you know, especially then, I was like 27. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, particularly in the city, musicians or what have you, like artists, right? Social life is going to be composed of the bar scene, you know, playing. I couldn't step foot inside of a bar, particularly sober, man. I tried once, it was fucking terrible. Really? The, the sober person amongst a bunch of other fucking drunk people or people drinking was terrible. And yeah, I just didn't want to be around not, I, I don't I don't particularly enjoy being around a bunch of yeah, drunk man. people now that I don't care. Goodness shit, man. It's, it killed my social life for sure. So Yeah. Um, like... <clears throat> it was fine, you know, it was me and my girlfriend at the time, we were living together and um we just you know, I painted and wrote music, man. I just like that's where I got really prolific, like where I really started just like spilling out of me. Like I, as soon as I got out of prison, I fucking went home and I uh, finished um, uh, All Damn Day, the album. I finished the song, uh, uh, Love Spit, and I wrote the song uh, Be Not Afraid as like a, basically telling like the story. Like the, it almost chronologically... Uh, um, documents like Philly the first year I think you know from yeah. very specific details including like uh, the cops taking my fucking Cuban hue boots that I fucking got as a gift like the week before and they fucking held on to them um, so yeah in that sense like obviously if I had to do it over again I would not do it like I would avoid it but you know it these things happen to you for some fucking reason, and they serve. Sometimes you take them, and you, you know, they serve their purpose, which is, you know, you fucking learn from it, and and you try to extract whatever experience and turn it into, I don't know, art. I'm I'm thankful for the experience, but uh, goddamn, like, yeah, that's uh, that I mean. They, they had to have been an insane just uphill climb for for a number of years to to get yourself back to um I don't know like any any semblance of I just imagine that'd be just such a traumatic experience from the bottom up you know yeah um, uh you know again that's at that point I think I was still uh, resilient enough or 
had enough buoyancy in me to like bounce back. Like that fucked me up, no doubt. And physically, sure. I was more fucked up than anything again because like I didn't drink. So I had this clarity, this vision that I hadn't had in a long time. But I also felt like my body was failing me. Um, so it was a really weird sort of, you know, juxtaposition here, like having a mental, you know, mentally having the, the strongest, you know, uh, vision I'd had creatively, but also like not being able to get out of bed some days, like at all, or feeling like I could even walk. Um, so, you know, again, my, I'm forever thankful to, you know, um, Mackenzie, who, was my partner at the time, and she uh, she helped me through that for sure, man. It took at least a year to bounce, you know, out of that where I felt like a normal person again. Um, but, you know, I had my craft to rely on, you know. That's what I used, you know, to, to dig myself out of the, the, you know, the fucking hole I made in my head. Um, you know, I get like... It's like Leonard Cohen was like uh, I just I forget exactly the I don't I don't paraphrase it but a good song is just the uh, the ashes of a of a life lived well or just a life lived. So yeah. I felt well, as long as that was what was that? Sorry, sorry you were uh, no keep keep going. You were saying as long as that was. Well, I figured like as long as I was living like you know then that's all that mattered. Like, I mean, of course, that projection is not the most ideal, like going to prison and, you know, fucking getting shot at and, you know, being looked at as like a fucking low-life criminal of some sort, you know, just having that other side perspective. Not, Not the conventional path, but it was the path that, you know, I ended up falling into. So, you know, just had to take it and use it for whatever it was worth, man. Like, well, totally. that experience, you know, that. Well, I, I feel like there's something really, you know, almost poetic about about it. Like, you, you know, we're um, to come from my own experiences. Like, I, I never thought I'd live past thirty. Like, the Twenty Seven Club was just like, you know, wishful thinking. But uh, right, right. Um, like I just and I couldn't tell you why. Um I just never like saw myself as getting older. Um Oh for sure. And then uh you know, when I I had a few experiences that you know, nothing like what you went through, but a few experiences that pretty much like in a lot of ways, like that version of me had to die and it did yeah. die. And um and like in a way I did join like maybe not the twenty seven club, but the like dying young club or whatever. <laughs> and I, and I had to like, I had to let that part of me go because it was like, either you keep doing this and it will kill you or you can allow this opportunity to like, to grow into this next version of whatever it is you're supposed to be. And then become that, you know, like, I don't know, become that the, the, the artist, the, the person with the wisdom because you survived the dark night of the soul, um, yeah. you know, and, and like the, the best parts about me, unfortunately are because of the shittiest things I've gone through. And yeah. that's just, the, that's just the truth of, I think life, you know? 
Yeah. Um, and it's I, I love that you're doing, you know, better now. And I love, I just I admire how prolific you are with your painting and with with music. It just it just blows my mind. I, I wish yeah, I was yeah. that prolific. You know, it's, that's the 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 battle and maybe the thing I'm trying to change now. I mean, um, and again, it's not everyone's the same, of course, but. I think there was some, there was definitely some burnout when I left Philly. Um, I think just the the way I was working, you know, I was constantly always creating something or whatever. You know, I, the burnout was real, man. I just fucking, you know, I couldn't breathe at some point. And I, you know, there's always going to be like the, the battle between quantity and quality. Not that I've ever set out just writing stuff just to write it, whether it's good or not, but, you know, not everything is going to be fucking, you know, hot, hot fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not every song is going to be a great song. But, uh, you know, I... I love that you look at songwriting very similarly that, like... To, to painting, like in a way, you know, I've known you for almost a decade now, and yeah. when and I didn't really know you were a painter until, you know, this period. I guess possibly like right around when you went to prison and when you got out, because then I remember your Instagram, your social media just being filled with like you just painted and painted and painted and painted, yeah. and you were you were doing studies of like the scream a bunch, and yeah. you just like really developed like your own like you always had your own style but it's just like that that practice and that dedication to craft like shown through to where now like every time you post something new i'm just like holy shit that's so fucking dope and i've like felt that way about your songwriting too it's like you you approach it as a as a craft as something that you're dedicating it's like you're in a lifelong pursuit of it not just like i'd love to make some money with a song on the radio or whatever it is however it is people make money off music these days yeah man no uh it's again like you know i I like i've I've always liked um the fine arts or whatever um i mean the first thing i ever did creatively was draw you know mm-hmm. as a kid and you know then pick up skateboarding and fucking guitar you know i always wanted to paint never did for one reason or another i don't i don't know I figured it was just too expensive. That was in my head. I was like, I'll, I'll get to it when I have money. I'll get to it. And I knew I wanted to do it once I moved out to Philly. And I was actually, again, when I was living at 504 with uh, with my bandmate, you know, he also happened to be a painter. And uh, he had, you know, in that abandoned pizza shop, which is where we record a lot of stuff. I recorded. We recorded a bit of mud, uh, a lot of the mud stuff down there. Painted most of the stuff on there. Is that a sneeze? That... Yeah. Oh, well, it's a kazoo type. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he had all this stuff, and he was really cool about uh, letting me use, like, all the paints he had. The acrylic, and, like, just no oils or anything like that, but, uh, you know, just a lot of, like, shit that I could create with, and I didn't have any canvases or whatever, so... The abandoned pizza shop 
had left behind. They'd abandoned a bunch of fucking pizza boxes that were unused, so that's where I started doing that. And oh, is I, that where you, where you were painting on? I was wondering what boxes you were always painting on. Yeah, no, it was a bunch of, like, just pristine, like, unused, nice pizza boxes. Decent size, too, and I just, that's where I started in the, like, it, it was really funny. I mean, if people say, like, once you learn, like, you know, how to do this, do that, like, art, whatever, it's like riding a bike, like, yeah, not exactly. Like, I had to reach my, you know, my brain and my, my hand and just, you know, how to draw again and how to see in that way and, like, how to just express yourself and, you know, if, if you're creative in any, in any, you know, regard, whether it's writing or, or, or you know, or film or music or, or painting, you're going to be creative in other, in other ways. Like, you're always going to have an auxiliary creative, uh, you know, um, outlet. You'll always have your 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 stronger, you know, your base, you know, your core uh, or, or or craft, right? But it extends into everything else, I think. And um, I just could never decide which I loved to do more. And at that point, I felt like I needed something else I could do to give myself a break from writing and recording, um, where I didn't talk, I didn't need to blow my ears with, you know, noise. Uh-huh. So painting just kind of became the thing. I was like, all right, well, I'm here in Philly. I'm here on the East Coast. I literally moved here just to make art. Like, that was my fucking sole objective. A record deal would have been sweet. Uh, <laughs> thing, right? But, I mean, that was just the idea of living there was moving out there. I was like, all right. Um, similarly, you know, kind of touching back on your saying, like the craft, like I always wanted to just, and I still, you know, that's my objective is to create a fucking, you know, my master album, like my ultimate album, like my pet sounds, you know, my blonde on blonde, like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, I want, I want to have a fucking rain dog, you know. You totally. Know? Similarly, I want, you know, I want to create my own fucking. You know, blue series, you know, rose period, blue period, you know, Picasso. So, you know, uh, it just, that's what I care about. So that's what I fucking spend all my time doing. And um, the pursuit of trying to make it so that it becomes a career or, you know, I can live off it. I think I've, I've come off of that idea more than ever, like it. It was always in the back of my mind. It was like, all right, well, I got to create something that's going to be great enough to, you know, convince some people or, you know, you know, have someone believe in what I do enough to invest, you know, time or money or whatever. Um, but, I, you know, I was just, I've given, I give up on that, uh, you know, a year or so ago where I was just like, well, fuck, I mean, I just don't think it's going to happen, so whatever. I mean, that's not going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing it because at this point, like, it's just there's no separation. You know, there's a lot of people that are like that, you know. I'm sure that you're like that as well with the music. There's no no separation between the the person and the and the art. It just becomes a fucking congealed. You become what you spend all your life doing, you know? Yeah, well, in in some ways, I like to look at it as like 
you know, is, is a cliche or, or whatever is it could be. Is just like the the life lived is the masterpiece. Is the right. it's a lot of what the 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 this the podcast pursuit. is about. Sure. You know, is like it's like life on the road, but the road could be like you know a figurative pursuit of just creating. Um, yeah. and it like that is the masterpiece. You know, at the end of the road, uh, the life. Life lived, you know. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's an undertaking, you know. I used to, you know, we were talking about the whole 27 thing, you know. Didn't want to live to be old. Like, I, you know, it's only more recently where I decided that I want to be around as long as I possibly can. Because I want to fucking create as much as I possibly can. Even if it isn't so great for the, the earth, you know, it's leaving more junk behind me. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, whatever, man. Uh, it'll all go up in a blaze of glory anyway. So while we're here, I think, oh, I think it's one of the best things that anyone can spend their life doing is, you know, creating art, whether that's writing or reading or, or painting or music or, you know, whatever. Like, I think it's the most noble, you know, I pursuits in, in life. I mean, of course, there's the important things, you know, like a fucking doctors and all that shit. It's all necessary. Yeah. You know, but uh, to to borrow from uh, the fucking Dead Poets Society, like uh, it, the arts are what you know, makes these things worth living. You know, that's what we live for. Like, you know, your song oh. could be the fucking soundtrack to a fucking surgeon going into, you know, a fucking important surgery one morning and you know the song gives the person the courage to fucking do it right I try to keep that perspective because it's so easy to to become jaded and you know it's fall into that pay where it's like well no one really gives a shit oh man I I like dance with that devil so much of like what's like why like <laughs> what's the fucking point man like if you just could if you could um you know I don't, yeah like what's the point nobody gives a shit and then I, I i struggle with that a lot but then it just kind of in a way made me think of a conversation i had with a friend the other day about like the like whether it's good or bad to have children in a world where resources are definitely finite and you know um climate mm-hmm. change is is obviously going to be an issue yeah. And she's like, she's like, well, like philosophically, you can't, um, like if if a, if this kid is, doesn't exist, um, then like it, it's not good or bad; it's just nothing, and so it doesn't have the potential to be good. So having so creating the kid creates like potential for good, which which is inherently good in a way. I I don't know the exact like yeah. logic behind it, but. I don't know. It was like an interesting way to think of it, and I because I'd only ever thought of it in like a, a numbers or a material thing, and like with art, it's I think it's very similar that like nobody nobody cares and who who gives a shit. It's but it's you know when you get in that mindset like oh what's the point? Nobody cares. Who gives a shit? It's like no, really, like the fact that you're deciding to create is inherently good yeah. because like whether or not it's observed or not it is like the act of being like 
being in touch with like godliness because of, because you're creating, you know, it's a, I don't know. I think, I think that it's inherently good. There's definitely ways it can be manipulated to being bad, but I, I, I don't think I, I agree with you 100%. Like it's, to me, it's the most noble pursuit I could be chasing the, at this point. The, the creation, the creation, the act of creation and art of all art forms is one thing right? separate from the marketing and the the consuming of it. Yeah, it's a there's separate things. And um yeah, I mean there's things there's there's fucking art again in across the board that is created for the sole purpose of monetary value or gain or whatever, man. Um but we can't, you know, we can't think about shit like that. I, I see this shit all the time, everywhere. Like, if I was there, just before we we uh, we started talking, I was on Netflix, just kind of looking around, and there's a fucking documentary on Takashi sixty nine. Oh, really? That fucking moron. He's like people like that, man. Like, you know, making all the money and getting all this like notoriety and. Like it has literally none of it. None of the the trailer I saw mentioned anything about his music. It is more about how he lived like this crazy life on the edge. And I was like, get out of the fuck ever, man. There's a lot of that like that image on it, and it's it's been like that forever. I mean, since it, it since it was uh, thought up, you know. I mean, music and art was that will never go away. But it's just I don't know. I, I can't be bothered. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll be bothered by it when I see it every now and then, but it's just like it's there and then it's gone. Cause, uh, I don't give a shit. I mean, I, what I uh, admire and, and what I want out of life, I mean, uh, may or may not ever be held up to the same standards or in the same um, circle as, you know, the, the artists, you know, painters, musicians and shit that I love and that I'm influenced by, but you know, I may be, you know, in my own time or, you know, contemporaries, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's more important to me than that. And it always has been. I mean, of course, the idea of, uh, you know, able to carve out a life doing this only would be fucking great. But then yeah. again, like, I've lived like this so long, I don't even know if I'd, how I would handle that. Like, if I'd be it, if, I mean... I'm sure I'd figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah. It just, it feels, um, I used to think that I didn't deserve it, just that, like I needed to feel like I deserved it, but then I see these fucking people all over, you know, social media, selling the cliches, bullshit, you know, narrative of what artists look like these days, and I'm just like, no, I'm good. I'd rather, you know, do it my way completely, not compromise. I've always had my vision, and yeah. you know, whatever happens in the end, like kids or not, which you know, I've changed my mind about it. Like, I, you know, I was always on the fence, and now I'm like, all right, I, I wouldn't mind having at least, you know, one kid. That'd be cool. Like, you know, I think I, yeah. I think I got enough in me to raise one decent human. Um, but you know, much like. One of my favorite artists of all time, Everett Munk, 
He never had kids. He was fucking batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> but his babies are all his fucking paintings, like. Totally. You know, and that's how I, I mean, his legacy, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like everything I, I create and, you know, whatever I leave behind when I'm, you know, done. Um, I get a certain type of satisfaction knowing that it, hopefully <laughs> it'll be around still, you know. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm not trying to achieve immortality, but as artists, we kind of we get the best chance at that, you know. Uh, yeah, no, so 100%. As, so long as it's around. And there's this band that I've, I've found out uh, just recently, like last year. I think it might have been actually earlier this year. They're called uh, Daddy's Hands. Not the greatest band name. Uh, they're from Vancouver, uh-huh. British Columbia, that area. Their last album was out in 2006. Fucking loved the album. I forget how I came across them. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I went to their band camp and bought all their shit, man, and I'm just amazed, you know. Uh, check them out if you haven't. Uh, Daddy's Hands, D-A-D-D-Y, apostrophe S, Hands. Okay, um, yeah. And they're just, like, these fucking heroes of, like, sort of post-punk you know, kind of weird, hardcore. You know, but not exactly. Like they're they're hard to classify. Their last album was in the post punk sort of alternative uh, realm. Yeah. But um, man, they put out five collected you know pieces of music. You know, like three albums, two EPs. The final one was called Welcome. Welcome Kings, I think. Welcome Home Kings. I can't remember. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome Kings, I think it is. Anyway, heard this shit, bought all their stuff right away on um, uh, Bandcamp because they're not on on Spotify, which was I was I was actually kind of stoked about. Um, yeah. I started looking into them because I wanted to know more about the band and you know it just fucking breaks my heart so what I learned about the band is there is five piece uh, they recorded some albums whatever um, their bass player and, and, the, and the lead singer guitar player they were really close I guess she had um, substance abuse problems she ended up fucking dying as a result of them and that sent him into a downward, a downward spiral. Became an alcoholic, then fell apart. They just, you know, the band. I mean, they were on hiatus for however long. Um. Then they came back. He cleaned himself up. Got some new bandmates, and they recorded this album, Welcome King. Uh-huh. Fucking beautiful. A masterpiece just of like really odd like as far as guitar I mean just songwriting in general I think some of the, the most original stuff I've heard in a while and um, so they, he comes out of all that shit you know he overcomes his adversity they record the album and then bam he gets fucking killed in a fucking hit and run 
three months before the album was released. Holy shit. Dead. 2006. It was released on Jan- June 30th, 2006. So, from that time to fucking 2019, it took for this fucking music to find its way to me. So, by the time I'm hearing it, I'm falling in love with music from a fucking, you know, a dead man's, like, you know, the, the ghost, you know, of this yeah. song here, and it's affecting me, and it's just, like, having this impact on me. And it's this guy's final, you know? Like, it's all that remains, you know, that I know about this person, right? Yeah, totally. And I'm listening to it, and as I'm singing and I'm listening to this stuff, I forget that he's, you know, he's no longer here. But it's just like, and I think about that all the time. Um, you know, and it's like, all right, well, what we do now, you know, chances are, you know, not maybe not now, maybe a couple of decades or whatever. Somebody is going to hear something and they're going to, it's going to have that effect on them. And I don't know, really? that, 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 uh, just thinking about that is like, uh, I don't know. Does it That's mean. really inspiring. Yeah, no, it's yeah. like, what other, what other reason do you need to continue creating than that? Um, so yeah, man, I, I don't know, like, you know, this uh, album I just put out, Usually New, you know. I wasn't going to release that either. I was kind of embarrassed about it. And, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and then I decided to just fucking put it out. And uh, this old, oh, this, this is actually a neighbor of mine from Flag, like way back, 2010. This is about every album I've ever fucking released. Um, and he wrote me like a message as he bought it. And he was, you know, three words keeping me alive. And I thought that was fucking wild, like, you know, reading that. You know, I don't get it often, but when I do, man, it really uh, cements, you know. I'm not just, you know, writing this to express myself and, you know, to let out whatever I need to, but I forget there's so many people out there that need to find an outlet but don't know how to. And that's, I mean, those are the biggest fans of music and art, like, if they could do it themselves, they would, but they don't have that ability. So, you know, the song is as good as theirs as it is mine, you know, when they hear it or when they see a painting, you know. Totally. So, so I don't know. It's, uh, no, that's, that's, dude, it's, that, I, I don't, I can't think of a better way to kind of sum things up because it's, it's always been what, I don't know. I think you, you and I, uh, kind of very early on, we've had very different approaches to how, you know, to music and, and the industry in general. But yeah. I think from a very early point, you and I both were just like, this is kind of what we're just going to do. Yeah. And like, you know, and I've seen so many other musicians like come and go or decide yeah. that it, they wanted to do something else or uh, move on. And, and yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, that that story you said told me about daddy's hands is just like that drives home a lot of the reasons why why i i kept doing you know kept doing it and like I, when i found out about towns when i you know oh, yeah. saw a documentary about him and i oh and that just drove me i mean just finding out about towns van zant and his music is why i survived three years of making music at least okay yeah was that by by any chance? Was that "Be Here to Love Me"? Yeah, 
Nice. That's a fucking good one. That's a really fucking good one. Yeah, that one still, to this day, I think I've seen it four or five times, and it every time brings tears to my eyes at several points. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, the, the director of that shit, uh, uh, he uh, found my page, I guess. Didn't I don't even know how this how I came across her, but she found my page and she just like went on a liking spree uh, on my, my my paintings and shit. And I went and looked at her, you know, the profile, and you know, sure enough, I was like director of blah blah blah. And in the credits, she apparently directed that fucking that documentary. Be here to let me. So I sent her a message like, yo, gotta let you know, I think that fucking documentary was a masterpiece. And thank you for putting that out there into the world. Because likewise, I saw that shit, and you know, just important things, you know, like the story of someone like Thomas Van Zandt, you know. Yeah. Like a, you know, just a regular dude with an irregular amount of talent for telling stories and writing, you know. Just and what you know what like partially. I loved so much about Towns is, or and I think what draws people to his story is the like the tragedy of it all, mm-hmm. and how heartbreaking it it kind of is. But and I think that like, you know, kind of the, the whole sad boy wanting to, <laughs> you know, die at 27 or whatever was like really into that. And then as I got older, or after, once that part of me died, and I and I had to let it go. I think as I get older, it's like, I want to see what Town's life could have been like without, like, had he decided, or had he been able to get help, and had he been able to, to, like, keep his mental health under control, and his drinking under control, and, like, live for a very long time, you know, had he been able to make that album with the, with the, uh, the dudes from Sonic Youth. Yeah, um, you know, like, had that been able to happen, like, I, and now that's kind of my pursuit is, like, if my life is, like, not to be, I don't want to be a tragedy anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's so unfortunate that, like, he was, but I'm also so, like, grateful for the fact that, like, I have, I, I think I can, like, live a life without having to be that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean... You don't need to, right? I mean, he lived that life for us to to kind of vicariously experience, you know. So, what is that? Uh, I mean, everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants, you know, they, they fall in love with these, you know, these these artists, you know, the Kurt Cobains or Van Zandt and everything. Like, we 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 want so bad sometimes to to have a life like that that uh, you know, we're not. You know, living it in our own way, like we, you know, it's like that Oscar Wilde, um, that Oscar Wilde quote of like, "Be yourself." Everyone else is already taken. So, so we have the blueprints. We know, you know, what not to do. Uh, yeah. We go about it. I think that's, I think that's uh that's pretty smoking right. Uh, and we have that music, you know, to live off of, which you know, I think is. But as good as gift as you know anyone in the in the arts or you know in the. I mean, towns towns have given me more than my own father ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you man. know, I mean, 
Where else so, they say? <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I I don't want to. I mean, this is I could talk to you all all night long about this stuff, and I think we'll. I'd love to have you on again once you have another yeah, sure. another release or something or anything you want to talk about because Fuck yeah. this is this has just been fucking great. Um, yeah, thanks for and, having me. Appreciate it. No, thank you. And uh, I'm, I'm once again just like so always so impressed with your dedication to everything to the craft of just being an artist to the life of you know living the life and uh, yeah. and I. I just think of you like a brother, man. And I want you to, I don't know, is there anything you want to plug? I know you mentioned usually new and scuzz and like you, I mean, everybody listening, Brian's got like 20 releases on Bandcamp, and like, it's, it's like a great catalog that you want to check out. But Brian, tell us, tell us about what you got going on now and what you'd like people to check out if they're, if they've listened to us ramble for this long. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, Shit, man. Uh, apart from those two, I got one more fucking album of of music I'll be putting out in December. It's a little bit different. Uh, there's no vocal. Well, there's yeah, there's no really no vocals. Um, you know, they're they're compositions. They're kind of experimental, weird type shit. Some of it, some of it is not even really music. It it's like falls more in the range of like ASMR. But then there's oh, like. Really? Yeah, prepared piano type stuff, and just like really cool shit I made on the you know on the the cassette recorder that I recorded you know back in 2015 2016. That uh, yeah, I plan to put that out, and then that I think will for the most part close up you know the stuff that I've been kind of holding on to and not releasing, and hopefully clear up uh, you know going into this new year. Some uh, some some new material, some brand new material. Hopefully, stuff that is quintessentially me. No more studies, you know, shit like that. So, and then you know, hopefully, you and I can finally fucking get get a song or something going. Get some. So, I fucked up. I know. I don't know if you still doing that that compilation thing, but I definitely did not write a song. <laughs> uh, I no, I didn't. I didn't get it in time either. But we we got a couple. We got some coming out this Friday, but I, I didn't get a song ready in time. I, but no, we, you and I definitely have to do a collaboration at some point. Maybe it, I'd love to like, just I don't know when this virus is over or when we can find time. Just like you and I, with with some recording equipment and a week, just to see what the fuck we can make, dude. I think it'd be so fun. For sure. And a couple of Arizona boys just just fucking making some tunes. Yeah, man, by, by February, I should be in Phoenix, hopefully, you know, set up shop. I plan to be somewhat of a beacon of, you know, creativity uh, for, you know, anyone and everyone that, that I've known and, you know, have known through the years, you know, musically or, you know, whatever. So we'll mm-hmm. definitely get some shit cooking by then, like, you know. Fuck yeah, and I'll, I mean... Uh, once traveling is not such a fucking nightmare, I plan on being yeah. in Arizona a lot because I finally feel like I'm at peace with my home state and I just want to go back and spend quality time with it because I have kind of felt like the prodigal son for the past 15 years or whatever. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So, Everybody goes back home to some extent at some point. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's I think part of, it's partially accepting that you never really can go home and just being exciting for, like, what parts of home is actually left. Yeah, exactly. I like that much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love you, dude, and it, thank you, you so much that. for coming on this uh, on the podcast and everybody listen to Usually New and Scuzz. And what's the new album coming out in December called? Do you have a name yet? Uh, it's, it's called... Uh, what is it called? I don't even know what it's called. Oh, the the composition series is composition volume one and two, broken music. That's called. Hell yeah! I'm excited to check that out. And uh, you you have a great night. Uh, let me know if you just you know your move to Phoenix, how that's all going. Stay in touch and let me know if there's you know as always anything I can do to help you out. We'll be in touch, man. You take care. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. We'll see you, man. Peace. Bye.